Well, take a look at the scripture today. <laughs> There's some tough stuff. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And this is how all will know whether or not you're my disciples. Now on the surface, this may seem a little tame, but as I looked at this, I thought, you know, Jesus is getting a little preachy here. <laughs> and I looked at that and I thought, I don't think I can sugarcoat this. <laughs> this is good, hard, real stuff. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say they will know you by your doctrine. Jesus did not say they will know whether you're my disciple by the way you dress when you come to church. Notice that Jesus did not say they will know whether you're my disciple by whether you take a literal or interpretive view of scripture. Notice that Jesus did not say they will know you're my disciple by what you believe about the second coming whether you're premillennial, postmillennial, or panmillennial, which just means it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> Jesus said, they will know you're my disciple by the way you love. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to dress it up. It is tough stuff. Notice that Jesus said it's a new commandment. Now, why was he saying it's a new commandment? In the Hebrew scriptures, isn't there talk about loving neighbor and, and loving God? It's a new commandment because it really hadn't happened yet. Jesus is having to repeat the same message that people didn't get before. Question, 2,000 years later, do we get it yet? Do we get it? Huh. A resurrection member was driving down Westheimer. <laughs> An officer pulled the resurrection member over. And I tell you what, immediately that member of resurrection got ticked. And before the officer could say a word, the member of resurrection said, why are you pulling me over? I know I wasn't speeding. Westheimer's moving too slow for me to be speeding. And I know I didn't run a red light. Why are you pulling me over? And the officer said, well, I, I noticed while you were driving that when that slow driver was ahead of you in the left lane, that you kind of swerved to get by them. On the way by, you flipped them off. And then I noticed that, that when that Hummer cut you off, you started shaking your fist and screaming. And then I also noticed that when you missed that light when it turned red and you couldn't get through, that you started pounding your fist on your steering wheel. Now the person said, well, none of those are crimes. Why are you pulling me over? And the officer said, well, I happen to notice that you have a Jesus loves you and so do I bumper sticker on your car. <laughs> and I thought maybe you'd stolen the car from a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said a new commandment I give to you that you love one another what's it going to take for us to get there how are we going to live this one out well let's say that when Jesus said this he knew what it was to love under difficult circumstances this is the second worst night of his life when he says this the only night that was worse was Good Friday when he was actually crucified. But the reason this is the worst night of his life, you can see it there in your worship folder, is that Judas had just left the room to betray him. Jesus had every reason to be ticked off, angry, bitter. 
Jesus had every reason to pull the disciples that were, elect, that were left and say to them, well, guess what Judas is about to do? Guess what he's up to? What are we going to do about Judas? That Judas is a double-crossing, betraying, blah, blah, blah. He could have gone on and on and on. And the disciples could have said, yeah, that Judas, that Judas. No. Jesus has every reason to be angry, bitter, but he doesn't let what Judas did to him define him. Instead, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you're to love one another even when it's difficult, even when that person hurts you or disses you or disgusts you or offends you. Love them anyway. If you don't, people won't really believe you're Christians. We, we have this wonderful ministry that's part of our aim, attract, include, mature, mobilize, and it's called First Impressions. When people come to resurrection, we want things to look good, and, and it's an important ministry. We want to give people these free coffee mugs. They're really nice coffee mugs. They keep your coffee warm. They're delicious, and they're wonderful, and they make a good first impression. But let me tell you one thing. First impressions will not matter if the lasting impression is not love. We need to think as much about our lasting impressions as we do our first impressions. So how are we going to do this? <laughs> well, I want to give some practical ideas. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't all the ideas, but some practical ideas that you can use beginning today to begin to make this scripture real. The first one is this. We can love if we begin to think of ourselves the way Jesus thinks of us. When Jesus said, a new command I give to you, he was giving that command with the idea that we could accomplish it. He wasn't just throwing out an ideal. Jesus did not say, a new ideal I give to you. Jesus did not say, a new suggestion I give to you. Jesus didn't say, a new concept I give to you. Jesus didn't say, this is something nice I'm kind of throwing your way. <laughs> Jesus said, a new command I give to you that you love one another, even when that love doesn't seem to make sense. And what he's saying is, I believe that you can love the way I love. I came here to show you how. I did it, so can you. The first step is simply to believe in ourselves as much as Jesus believes in us. We're always talking about believing in Jesus, and I believe we should believe in Jesus. But believing in Jesus is also believing that Jesus believes in us. Jesus believes in us, and we don't believe in ourselves. How do we show we don't believe in ourselves? By the way, we respond when we face a lack of love. We tend to strike back. Someone hurts us, we want to hurt back. A person um, disgusts us. We have a tendency to get disgusting back. And then when all this happens, when I hurt you and you hurt me and we hurt each other and our toes are sore, we've wounded each other, what do we do? We get mad. And then when we calm down, we say, well, we're all just human. We're just human. Jesus calls us 
to be more than human. Part of what it means to become a Christian is to become like Christ, which is becoming more than human. It's becoming mature humans. It's becoming better than human. Now, sometimes we don't even want to accept that level of responsibility. Sometimes we take it and say, you know, this really wasn't me. I, I really don't normally gossip. I really don't normally flip people off when I'm driving. I don't know what got into me today. That's just not me. I'm not like that. Oh, I think it was Satan. <laughs> the devil made me do it. I couldn't help it. It was Satan. So we blame it all on Satan and we try to let ourselves off the hook. And while we're sitting here talking about how human we are and how Satan made us do it, guess what they're saying at Starbucks this morning? Look at all those hypocrites at resurrection. Jesus believes that we can do better, that we can be better. So how do we do it? Because it's inevitable that someone's going to hurt us. And it's inevitable that we're going to want to strike back. Revenge is natural, but we can do better. This is what I suggest. Stop. Just stop. Pause. Take a breath. Make it a spirit pause. Say the name of Jesus in your heart. Rather than saying, You jerk! You idiot! Say, Jesus. Jesus. There's a better way. Pause. Breathe. Remember who you are. Remember who that person is who hurt you. Stop hatred in its track. Say, what you have done to me, even though it's wrong, is no longer going to define me. Your actions aren't going to define how I feel, who I am. There's a better way. It's called stopping hatred in its tracks. We've been told a lie, and that lie is that we can't do better. Here's the lie. Now, I want to tell you a lie. Hate is an emotion we can't help. Hate is a feeling we cannot overcome. If we hate someone, it is because we just can't help ourselves. We're human. We have no choice but to hate. That is a lie. Unfortunately, it is a lie many people believe. They believe this lie in order to excuse their hatred. After all, if we can't help but hate, if hate is a feeling we simply cannot help, then hatred is never our fault, is it? Yet we can help it. Hatred is a choice. We choose to hate just as we choose to love. Oh, I know there are people out there who believe love isn't a choice, that love is primarily an emotion, a feeling, 
a stirring in the loins. These are the same people who stay in a relationship for six months, then break up. These are the people who love the idea of love, yet seem unable to stay in it. Love is a matter of the will, something we decide to do. Love is a choice. Hmm. All right, I know I'm preaching today. I know I'm meddling. I know I'm not sugarcoating. But hear that last line. Love is a choice. When you take that spirit pause that I was talking about, what you're doing is you're making a spirit choice. You're making a choice for Christ in that moment. That's what it's about. Take a choice. Take a moment to remember who you are. That's the first step. Okay, here's the second one. We will live out this commandment of Jesus when we learn to look at each other through Jesus' eyes. We will live this call out when we open ourselves to look at those around us in a different way. What we tend to do is we tend to look at someone and make unloving choices and assumptions about who that person is. Sometimes walking around this property is like walking through a minefield. You're heading one direction, go, whoop, 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 that's the person that stole my boyfriend, I'll go this way, whoop, 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 that's the person that took the position I deserved, I'll go, whoop, 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 they're over there, I'll go this way, uh oh, this person, I don't like their cologne, I'll go this way, I'm going to sit over here, uh oh, this is where I was when that person had bad breath during the service, I'm going to come over here, oh, this is the person who didn't give me a very good prayer at communion, I think I'll, where can you go when you're looking at everybody through assumptions, there's nowhere to go until we begin to look at each other through Jesus' eyes there will be no place to hide or get away from that which wounds us <sighs> there's a better way to look at each other as Jesus looks at us yeah we're broken we're hurting and broken people tend to break other people and hurting people tend to hurt other people but there's another way to be and that way is to look at the broken place as a place of potential beauty. Because this is what God does. God takes the broken places and redefines them and transforms them into something else. Let me make this kind of clear by having you hear an example of a woman who made this discovery while walking on the beach. We have this tendency to reject people, to distance ourselves from people, but um, she discovered a way to look at life differently through a walk on the beach. It has taken my whole life to notice the beauty of broken seashells. For years, my beachcombing routine has been predictable. As the surf rolls back, I search around my feet for something lovely, something partially revealed between sand and sea that I can quickly grab before it disappears again. And with just a moment in my hands, I decide whether the shell is worth keeping. Imperfect, broken ones I usually reject, returning them to the sand with a disappointed toss. Yet lately, I've begun to notice a different beauty in broken shells. My eyes are being caught by the color of a fragment or the shape of a fractured edge. I cannot say why, after all these years, I can no longer walk past what I have been rejecting, except to say that something has changed the way I see. Hmm. Something has changed the way I see. 
who are we going to keep and who are we going to throw back? <laughs> That's the question that Jesus is asking today. The challenge is to see everybody differently. When we see people differently, we'll love them differently. We'll see beauty in unexpected places. That's the power of our scripture today. See ourselves as Jesus sees us. Believe in ourselves like Jesus believes in us. See other people like Jesus sees other people. See the beauty in the broken places. And the third one you can probably expect, forgive like Jesus forgave. Notice our scripture. Jesus had every reason to be ticked off at Judas. But instead he forgave Judas. Even before Judas had betrayed him, Jesus had already forgiven him. Wow. Jesus didn't just hold on to that for a long time. He didn't carry this grudge. He forgave Judas even before Judas hurt him. So you knew that at some point I had to get to forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard stuff. It creates a battle inside us. Amazingly, this new Spider-Man movie, the subtitle is The Battle Within. And if you see it, you're going to see a lot of special effects. But underneath the special effects, you're going to see what happens when people hold grudges and what happens when people seek revenge, the devastation it causes. You'll also see what happens when people choose a better way. So this, bat, this new Spider-Man movie makes a real theological statement as well. It talks about the power of our choices. It comes down to forgiveness. What would happen if we really made forgiveness a way of life? It would create a miracle. Forgive others and you'll see miracles start to happen in your life. First, make a list of everyone you believe you need to ask for forgiveness. Then, ask them for forgiveness. Even if there's not enough time to call everyone, ask for their forgiveness in your prayers. Second, make a list of all the people who hurt you, all the people you need to forgive. Start with your parents, your brothers and sisters, your children, your spouse, your friends, your government, your church. Compassion and understanding will lead you to forgiveness. Start working on forgiveness. Start practicing forgiveness. It will be difficult at first, but then it just becomes a habit. The only way to recover forgiveness is to practice forgiveness. You practice forgiveness and practice forgiveness until forgiveness becomes a way of life. Simple, practical things. Stop. Take a spirit pause. Make a different choice. Look at people through the eyes of Jesus and then relentlessly, relentlessly forgive. In fact, why don't we just do that right now? Let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. Invite you, if you're comfortable, to close your eyes. 
God, right now, as a congregation and a community, we really do want to live the new commandment that Jesus gave us. We want to do better. And so we're going to pause right now, not just to talk about this, but to do it. You know that the nature of life is such that many of us do fight this battle within. We want to love, and yet when we're hurt, we tend to strike back. So we ask your forgiveness for that. Remind us to pause. Rather than saying jerk, help us to say Jesus. Just remind us of this. And now we want to take a moment and uh, show each one of us the people who we need to ask to forgive us. Show us now the people who we have hurt, maybe not intentionally, but who we've hurt nevertheless. And help us to make a mental list right now of the people that any one of us have hurt. Just make a mental list. Oh God, forgive us. Help those ones we've hurt to understand. Help us to learn and grow from the ways we've hurt others. And now take a moment to think of those who have hurt you. It may be someone as close as a family member, a partner, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, an ex. Forgive those who have hurt you at this moment. Maybe you are angry at the government. Take a moment to give some of that anger to God. The decisions of national leaders are greater than any of us. Just hold those decisions that maybe have caused hurt or even death before God. Oh God, bring your forgiveness. God, we do believe in you. We believe that you believe in us. We thank you for the better way that you hold before us. Help us to live it. Remind us to pause. Show us, teach us, lead us, and help us to catch a vision of what this church would be if every choice we made was a choice for love. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.